and off the back of another big two weeks in the NFL, we now find ourselves on the brink of Christmas and the Boxing Day slate, which works out absolutely outstanding if you're an Aussie. You get a full day's action with the slate there on Christmas Day, then three more games to follow up on Boxing Day and a couple on Christmas Eve. It's been a big two weeks since we joined you here last on the 4th and Inches podcast and the old COVID has hit again, so that's caused a bit of issues, but we're back and we'll work our way through the last two weeks before previewing week 16, which has obviously kicked off as we speak. The Rams leading the Saints, I don't think for anyone much of a surprise there. Uh, both chances of making the playoffs, you got the Saints 7-7 seven and seven in the South, the division that's been wide open for the whole year. Good chance this week for them or the Bucks to take control, but with a loss today, the Bucks will be in the driver's seat to try and win the South. And as far as the Rams are concerned in that West, the wild card's open well and truly on the NFC side with a lot of teams obviously well out in front or all piled together, which has been a pretty inconsistent year on that side of the draw. So we'll run through 14 and 15 before we jump in and preview the rest of week 16. As we said, live for the time being, the Rams leading that game. They were up 10-zip. The Saints just got a long bomb through Shahid and Carr. It's been pretty consistent. Shahid for the Saints side of things. So that game now in the balance between those two. And no surprise on the Rams side. The ground game effective so far. Kyron Williams and Nakura and Cup, the two favorite targets of Stafford. But 14, what a week that was. The Pats, for some reason, over the Steelers, 21 to 18. I don't know how they got to 7-6, and six, um, but they find themselves there down early. They come back late, but it was no avail. Zappi takes over at quarterback. Three touchdowns in the first half. Steelers say it every week, same issues. Quarterback clearly needs to be addressed. Following Roethlisberger, who they held on to for probably a few years too long. They go to the local and pick it. He's steady, sort of hasn't taken a step forward. They blamed on the offensive coordinator. Had one boom week, but other than that, it's the same stuff over and over again. Rely way too much on their defense. Can't run the ball. Offensive line's okay, not great, but two areas that certainly need to be addressed are the line and the quarterback. Can they do it through free agency? Can they do it to the draft? They're a middle sort of road of the pick right now. They probably wouldn't access one of those top three or four quarterbacks, but something needs to give Trubisky, Rudolph, Pickett, None of those guys are the answer. But for the Patriots, surprised about trying to win, not not on the sense of Bill Belichick as a coach, but as the team in a position to be the number two pick. Sort of put themselves in jeopardy a bit there. But yeah, late sort of charge from Zeke Elliott, sort of talking about how he wouldn't mind coming back next year, depending on the money and the deal there. I'd be interested to see if that's the way they go, potentially to the second pick. 80-plus million in cap space. The talk now is that Bill Belichick won't be there. So that's obviously going to have a huge impact on how they rebuild things. But we move on. Jets, Texans the week prior before we get to week 15. 30-6 to six, uh, for the Jets. Bit of a surprise, this one. Uh, for the Texans, CJ Stroud gets knocked out of this one. That hurt bad. No tank deal. Nico Collins goes down first play. I like to say this is just a young team having a bad week and the Jets perking up a little bit, and Wilson started poor, grew some confidence, started to make some good throws. You saw a little bit of that potential that he flashes from time to time as to why they took him with that 
high draft pick, but it's still not enough to make you sit there and think that they're going to invest in him long-term or keep him around. I think he's definitely going to be recycled and end up elsewhere, and you'll see that when we talk week 15. But, yeah, defense, once uh, Williams got to CJ Stroud and took him out of the equation, it was all downhill for the Texans, and it was a dominant performance on the flip side um, with Bruce Hall in particular having a big game and mixture and Garrett Wilson popping his head up, but big win for them, but to no avail in terms of what happens this season for the Jets, eliminated from playoff contention. Texans, this one sort of hurts heading into week 15. Um, Their chances in terms of getting themselves up for winning the South, which is open. Ravens-Rams, this was an interesting one, 37-31. It was a shootout. The Rams certainly gave their all, but the return... For 76 yards in overtime, that that really just hurts after all the effort and investment in that game. And again, one that pushes them into the wild card, and they're still alive for that, like we said, and playing for that today against the Saints. But after all the effort, Stafford's so solid. They've established that run game balance. Puka and Cup, the two guys you can lean into. Still got some big names, like we said, Donald, and what is mostly young players either side of the ball, but a hell of a coaching job by McVay. But yeah, Lamar, a couple of big plays. Still looking for a bit of growth in the passing game. It's sort of been a mixed bag week to week who they rely on. He's leaned into likely since the departure of Adams with that injury. Uh, but both sides here probably disappointed with how they defended, especially on the back end. So big result for the Ravens. And again, a team that's led a lot of games, but one close. Hasn't really blown anyone out. They've had one or two blowouts, but they've also had those few losses that were Disappointing, but for such dominance in the record they've had this year, it maybe worries you a little bit heading into the playoffs. Just the inconsistency in the fourth quarter and closing games out when they've led majority of the way. Saints pop their head up after a few few flat weeks. Big win over Carolina, but again, to no surprise, I'd, you know, with Young, it's been a tough year. Coach fired, big changes. They paid for all those draft picks to push things up. Lost fumbles, sacked a million times. Pretty poor on third down. And the Saints, you know, they, they pretty much asked bugger all uh, in terms of, you know, what they wanted from their quarterback. And it's been the same thing for them all year. Defensively, um, and then leading to Kamara since he came back. Alave, the favorite target. And their defense come up big again. Four sacks, two turnovers. And that first pick, all but certain now to go to the Bears that they traded for the year before for Bryce Young. Still too early to tell. You know, as we've spoken about before, whether the risk and reward there, did they get it wrong? Would Stroud fare any better in this situation um, with the tools and the weapons? But I think you're not going to know about Bryce Young until they fix this team, until Tepper makes a decision on a coach to actually build rather than going with, you know, a coordinator and a recycle coach and a couple of interims. And when it looked good with Wilkes, they didn't go with him. So it's, uh, it's a tough time to be a Carolina fan, but it gets better in a week's time when we get to that. Uh, but yeah, you look at the Saints, same deal, moving divisional contracts where they're at. Uh, it's It's been pretty disappointing and they've still got a lot they're going to have to deal with in the next 12 months. They've pushed things down the road with trades, draft picks, salary cap. It's coming for them. And if Dennis Allen's the answer, Derek Carr contract, I don't know. Cincinnati popped their head up after some good performances from Browning. And I don't think that's any surprise. Again, when you hear the pedigree that he had in high school and college, one of these guys that once he got to the league, shopped around a bit, probably didn't have the greatest amount of confidence and then finds himself with Burrow, stability, 
good backup situation, bit of coaching, good weapons around you, and suddenly he's played some good football. But uh, it, you know, the pedigree doesn't always mean success when they were highly rated out of high school or had a good college career, but makes a hell of a difference when you're in a good situation, good coaching, and you get your confidence back. And he certainly got that. And for the Colts, an opportunity, again, to take control of that division. It was a blip for them. It was a blip for the Texans, the Jags as well. No one able to take control. And yeah, Browning, a couple of touchdowns. Run game's been better. Defense is making some plays and they're staying alive somehow. But for the Colts, zero run game, nine penalties, two turnovers. It was a real missed opportunity. So, yeah, disappointing one for them. Bucks, Falcons, south on the NFC side again, another one wide open. It's always the south on both sides for some reason. You know, they were outgained as usual. The Falcons, they can move the ball, they can run the ball. Ritter seems to be long on the pass, but inside the 20s, as it's been all year, whether it's him, Heineke, Regardless of who they try to use in that running back rotation, they just don't convert inside the 20. Um, and that's a big issue. If you can move the ball, but you can't score, at the end of the day, it means absolutely nothing. The amount they've invested in first-round picks into their offense, offensive line, spent big money in free agency. Questions probably coming for Arthur Smith and the owner, Arthur Blank, who's not getting any younger, about where he wants to go with his team moving forward. But for the Bucks, Mayfield, you know... You know, he's a bit maligned for what happened at the Browns, but post the Browns, a lot of talk the players liked him. There was no problem in terms of the group, which is probably the most important thing. Made the most of the Carolina situation, got moved on, went to the Rams. McVay and the players there had nothing but good things to say, finished the year out strong. And to come in here where there's some guys that were talking about wanting to be traded, like you, Devin Whites and blokes post Tom Brady at the Bucks. he's had a hell of a season. Um, and smartly enough, like he's done his whole career, he certainly knows what he needs to do. He doesn't overplay his hand in terms of the run and scramble anymore. He doesn't push the deep ball, but he certainly knows he's got good receivers in Evans, Godwin. He's utilized a few other guys. The run game hasn't really helped, but I think if you're the Bucks, and I've said this a few times now, you're in a situation where if you can't draft a quarterback or there's no one out in the free agency market, you're better off just doing a one-year deal or a two-year deal here for okay money because he's he's shown more than enough if you're not in a position where you're ready to transition or move him on. Because if he does go, what is your next choice? It's not Trask. They got rid of Gabbett. Drafting someone, depending on what position you're in, salary cap with some of those contracts that they're going to have to work on, I, I don't think you've got a better answer right now than Baker. And as the year's gone on, I think he's just gained more and more respect and... The same case will be spoken about when we get to week 15. But the Browns, the Jags, this was an interesting one. Flacco uh, certainly opened up the pass game since he's come back in here. But the D, which has been the strong point, maybe had a couple of flat weeks. But he certainly opened things back up with the fact he can throw over 10, 15, 20 yards. And, you know, you look at the Jaguars here. Lawrence, he hasn't missed a game in college, high school, NFL. They've all talked about this one. Played busted off that ankle, struggled 50-plus throws, that zero run game. Touchdowns, picks, he leaned into Engram. Um, in Cleveland, even with the fumbles, didn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, the, the turnovers and the fact that they couldn't run the ball just put more pressure on Lawrence. And the Browns moving to that wild card. Balance much like the Bengals, despite the injuries and issues, they just keep pushing forward. It's the fourth quarterback. You bring in an ex-Super Bowl winner who was on the scrap heap, sitting on the couch a few weeks ago. It's it's a hell of a story, certainly. 
Um, but yeah, if they can tighten up things defensively and get more out of the run game, he's certainly working well with Njoku, Murray Cooper. He's getting Elijah going a bit more. So if you're a Browns fan, I wouldn't say the season's a write-off just yet, but I'd watch with interest the next few weeks heading into the playoffs where things go here with Flacco. Bears lines. This was a surprise in a Bears team that is now five and eight, and I know the number one pick is basically guaranteed because the one they swap with, but the second pick, and I've said this all year, I don't know why they wouldn't want that to be as high as possible unless they see themselves in a situation surrounded by so many quarterback needy teams that you know they think they can cash in or trade back for more picks. And the thing is now they're moving into that five, six, seven range where I think all the quarterbacks that people are going to be after are going to be gone. And it's probably not as valuable a pick. I'm not saying it's not valuable because it's still top five, top 10, but if it's not to access one of those quarterbacks, I don't think you can cash it in for the haul like they got last year. So unless they've got something in mind, whether that be quarterback with the first overall pick, whether that's Williams, Drake May, does Jaden Daniels stock rise high enough after the Heisman? I don't think so. Uh, or do they lean with Fields? And if they lean with Fields, well then, man, if there's some way in their mind that they wouldn't take a risk on a May or a Williams if they've got their questions and not a generational receiver and a Marvin Harrison with the first pick, which might seem a bit crazy, but with all the talk about him, um, if they cash that in, maybe they can go back one or two spots and still get a Harrison and then keep that other pick and pick up a whole swag. I don't know what their plan is, but with what's been going on with Fields, the drastic improvement on the defensive side of the ball, they've got a committee of running backs. They like commit. They like DJ Moore, but it really looks like right now you have to make a decision on quarterback. Then you have to make a decision also on the flip side of that about what you want to do in that situation. If you're going to build a line, if you're going to get another receiver, like what sort of is the plan there? But it all comes off the back of the quarterback. And coach would have been a question, but it seems like Eberflus is really taking control of this thing now. But for the Lions, this one hurts uh, in terms of NFC. But in terms of the North, you know, they're going to wrap up the North. And you'll find that out, obviously, with the, the game the week after. But in terms of high seed, that you know the way things are going in the NFC, they're still in, in the line for the one. But a couple of these losses that have been a little bit surprising or disappointing in terms of performance potentially have cost them a chance at the one seed and a week off, which is crazy to think. But the 49ers well in control now, moving on from that. And a bit of a step backwards with Green Bay coming after him, but them hitting a flat spot now. But 49ers, speaking of, 500-plus yards. They just absolutely played with Seattle under the scoreboard. Then didn't really say as much at 28-16, but the run game from McCaffrey, the presence of Debo on return, Ayuk healthy, Kittle healthy, Trent Williams. You say this every single week at the moment. The only question mark, I think, over the 49ers for me and the NFC and now the fact that you know the Cowboys and Philly who they've both beaten and both got in division or both shown some signs of shakiness is health. If they're healthy on the offensive side of the ball with Kyle Shanahan, the way they do the play action, their run game, their pass game, defense had some hit and miss games, but again, the way they're stacked up on that side of the ball, the trade for Chase Young, get Javon back in there, mixed in with Bosa and the matchups they're going to be able to get and then playing a home run and a week off. If they get to week two after... The number one seed, if they win out in the Baltimore game this week, is obviously huge for the one seed and the implications for the NFC. If they're healthy heading into week two, I just think the NFC goes through them and they're in full control. And I, 
it'd be an absolute shock and disappointment for all the years they've been so close and with what they've pushed in here and the Caps about to bite if they're not in the Super Bowl this year. And the talk about Purdy not being the MVP and more around the moral and the story that he was Mr. Irrelevant, I think, is just a crock of bullshit. If that's the way it's going to be voted on, well, that's just wrong. Because off performance, you can question him and the weapons and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, they don't get the ball without him. He's not playing dink and dunk. The numbers say enough about his average or air yards, completion percentage, almost 10 yards per play. He's not just playing off screens. He's not just dinking it down. Sure, Shanahan enhances the system, but Garoppolo's been there. Mullen's been there. He's had other quarterbacks and other guys at different points of time, not just San Francisco that haven't been able to do what he's doing right now. So I think you've got to give your plaudits uh, to Purdy. Seattle, things are obviously a bit shaky, um, but a more positive result in the week. Just gone after a full loss trot, but we'll get onto them, the situation with Geno and quarterback health and the run game struggling and the frustration from a DK and what he did with Warner. The Vikings Las Vegas game, the 3-0 game, is probably the worst game of NFL I've ever seen. Um, points were left on the field, there's no doubt about that. Turnovers, the Vikings with none. Las Vegas with three. Mullen takes over from Dobbs. You have to give O'Connell some credit. Trades for Dobbs. The momentum gives him that opportunity. Looks like a bit of the magic sort of run out over that run. Um, more turnovers coming into his game. Not being able to move the football. Relies more on his legs. But it looks like Mullen's the way forward. And yeah, it's probably the difference at the end there. Found a couple of completions, which put him in a situation to try and take control and you know, for Flores in this defense, they've been doing a good job. Josh Metellus, the, the bloke that's played like 11 different positions on that side of the ball. Insanity. But this was the lowest scoring game indoors of all time. Which, if you were there, I feel bad for you. And the NRL, of all weeks, to be going and promoting a game in Las Vegas, were there for the worst game. So, didn't think the advertising campaign was the greatest and the game that they went to wasn't the greatest. So, go figure. Broncos charges. This is a summary of what ends up becoming the end, and we'll speak about that when we get to it in a week's time of the Chargers coach Staley, but Herbert gone in this game. The defense, all the weapons he's had, we've talked about this week in, week out. For the amount of talent he's got on that side of the ball and to be a defensive specialist, but your bottom three in almost every single category, it's game over, and no different than this one. Once Herbert's gone, who's patched up for so many things despite the criticism he receives, they were done. Um, 24-7, it was pretty cruisy for the Broncos without being too outstanding, but they controlled things. Russ, just been steady, done what he's been asked to do again, run heavy, and then their defense, Simmons, Josie Jewell, Singleton, etc. Yeah, they're taking control of uh, that side of the ball and, and, and doing a pretty good job, and it leaves that question again, which I brought up a few weeks ago, that if they are looking for a new coach, and they particularly want to take care of the defensive side of the ball and then maybe get a coordinator or if they happen with Kellen Moore and Herbert to work together. I think this is a situation where if it's not like a Harbaugh who's got more years left in him, who is an ex-quarterback, this is the perfect situation for Bill Belichick. You let him rework the defense, a couple of those contracts, and he'll do what he did with Brady, which is work with Herbert about teaching you about defense and making him even smarter than he already is. And when you know defense and you're a quarterback and you run the offense... You can only enhance that side of the ball, but obviously probably can't get the control that he had in New England in terms of personnel, drafting. That that needs to be sorted. I know Telesco got fired as part of that, and he did a pretty good job with the draft picks. Well, didn't hit with all these free agency stuff, but 
if you get Bill Belichick to fix the defensive side of the ball and give him a quarterback like Herbert, it's shown with Brady what he did at the start. He managed Brady. He managed a running game, and he had an outstanding defense. And even this year, as poor as they've been, if there's one thing you look at with New England, and it's always been good, it's the defensive side of the ball. And that's missing Jackson, who they traded for, off the charges. Matt Judon, their best pass rusher, and their number one draft pick in Gonzalez, who's looking outstanding. So Broncos staying alive in that division, but... Not a convincing win when you get it that way um, against a team that loses their best player. Bills KC, this is the one that everyone was talking about. The Tony offside, after looking at it, after missing it initially, I have no idea what they're complaining about. I understand the frustration, probably more building from Mahomes and Reed about the way the season's going, not having things with the receivers. Tony, time and time again, the amount of drop passes, probably the decline with Kelsey being a mixture of age, pressure, being double-teamed and being the number one person. But, you know, it's not Watson, it's not Rishi Rice, it's not all these guys they've sort of leaned into and hoped for. Sky Moore, Edwards Allaire, who was a first-round pick, Jarek McKinnon, like they've been mixing it so much that the only thing that seems to be sticking so far is Rice. But even so, the amount of drops and frustration, um, and when Pacheco's not there, but for the Bills, this will obviously become the catalyst to what we see when we move on to week 15, a great win. In terms of the result, not the way they played. Uh, there was plenty of opportunities here for this one to be taken away, but it probably speaks more to where KC are right now and it opens up the wildcard spots, the number one seed, and the head-to-head side of things, depending on what happens with the Dolphins. But yeah, that the comments and the frustration, particularly the interaction between Mahomes and Allen, a bit disappointing. Mahomes has been pretty rock-solid throughout his career, but clearly the first time he's felt genuine frustration and a bit of pressure maybe. Uh, in terms of the way the team's going, his performance and probably more reflection on what's going on around him, I'd say. But huge result for the Bills in their season and where it's going. Cowboys-Eagles, Eagles, another loss. The bad losses are building, said all year that they were finding ways to win, but there was cracks there and it just showed up here. Divisional, the one seed now gets opened up. The defense, obviously getting worse and that more comes off the back of the back end your linebacker back is in a particular secondary a lot of people going after Bradbury it's just putting more pressure on that defensive front and as good as they are there the more snaps they play the more time they spend on the field when you don't have the depth in your rotation it just adds more pressure and then controlling the football offensively a lot of people watching video have obviously done some research figured out that things are basic they're starting to predict plays Jalen Hurts multiple fumbles in this game they had him on TV doing fumble drills during the week, which a lot of people thought was a real bad thing by their coach to do in terms of putting him there and his confidence. But Cowboys leading up to this point, uh, big result after beating up on some bad teams, but obviously a little bit of a reality check comes the week uh, coming. But prior to this, Dak, his decision-making, his movement the pocket, the link with CD Lamb, um, he's been working well with Ferguson, getting Cooks involved as well. The sort of tandem with Dowdle and Pollard. Defensively, there's been some good weeks. There's been some bad weeks. But despite a couple of injuries that they've had with Van Der Esch and then obviously Diggs, you know, Deron Bland's had some big games. Gilmore, the veteran's done a good job. Parsons still hit and miss. But yeah, there's talent there. I guess the big question for them, similar deal. We talk about this all the time. Their road record's not great. And if they get behind, they struggle. So... They put themselves in a situation where if they're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs, I don't have a whole lot of confidence. And it might not be from the start, but 
you know, if they can win through playing home games until the NFC Championship or if they run into the 49ers, I, I still think it's a fait complete NFC side, in my opinion, if the 49ers have control of that whole setup and get to go and play at Santa Clara. But that'll play out. Eagles need to hit the reset button, unfortunately. It's not going to get any better in Week 15 when we address that, but we will. And then the Giants, 24-22 after Green Bay had three big weeks from the up. All the positive talk about love and where this team was heading, their defense has just absolutely hit the skids. And in this game, like Tommy DeVito and his agent, the whole Stellato thing, which was a good laugh in the internet memes, you know, three three turnovers. But just they couldn't stop the run game. And all it was was a run option between the running back and the quarterback. And DeVito went 10 for 71. Saquon had two touchdowns. Like They just kept doing the same thing over and over again. And nothing got any better on the defensive side of the ball. And it's not a question of talent. They've invested a lot of picks, particularly secondary. They've got a good front. Their linebackers are okay. They've had some injuries and some issues there. But overall, this defense is way better than what it's been playing. And it's opened up a lot of questions about the coach, Joe Barry. But when you're starting to build some momentum in the divisions there, this loss is a huge mischance and it doesn't get any better when we move on to the next week in terms of the wild card. For the Giants, 3-1 and one now with Tommy DeVito. Good story. Good hype. Um, you know, they got him doing pizzerias and the local boy made good and still sit there and look at things and as, as good as it's been for him, think he'd be more a backup or a third stringer, and particularly on your home team. Don't think he's the answer to their problems, but this probably speaks to, again, you know, coaching, good play and doing the right things, what you can do as compared to the money they've invested in Daniel Jones and just highlighting that if Dayball can get this out of a guy that went undrafted, but, you know, Daniel Jones after one year and masking things up and a bit of the play action and run pass combinations and getting him better talent, can't do that. Um, it doesn't really say a whole lot for the way they invest their money there. The record here, though, is starting to get in another territory where the only way to sort of fix their problem, quarterback-wise, I think, is through the draft. But if they keep winning games, put themselves in that awkward little jumble there, they might not be in a position. And for a guy like Dayball, big mobile, decent arm. I think this is sort of the spot where I look at the salary cap jail and the opportunity. If Jaden Daniels is the third or fourth guy and you're in the top 10 where if you like Jaden Daniels, you see that little bit of Josh Allen, maybe not in terms of how physical, but he's probably better mechanically with the way he throws. He can still move. But if that's what you got out of Josh Allen and you see anything there like that, and it's an upgrade on Daniel Jones and it helps your salary cap, uh, if I'm the Giants, I'd be looking at Daniel. Uh, sorry, Jaden Daniels, the Heisman winner, depending on where his draft stock ends up. But that's just my opinion. And this week closed out with Titans, Dolphins, which again, we talk about upsets and the way this playoff series has happened and how open things are, which is just insane. 14-point lead blown in the last couple of minutes, and there's been no losses in 700-plus games for anybody who's left with that and the amount of time left on the clock, but for Mike McDaniel and the Finns, this was a disaster for not only control of their own division, which they've now still got a head-to-head to come with the Bills, who are growing and a tougher run home, but they could have taken full control of the AFC one seed here, or at least been competing with the Ravens, who also have, I think, a head-to-head with them, and again, come up with the 49ers, but yeah, late, they just blew it. Um, Tyreek goes off with an ankle injury. The O-line just left... Tour is absolute fodder. A couple of turnovers, the way he got hit. And Levis made a couple of plays. D-Hop come up big. Henry finished things off. It was one of the 
most insane comebacks. And again, I don't think there's any real benefit for the Titans other than, you know, with Robel and that team, they're tough. They don't quit and they're working their way through the year. Seeing where they've got with Levis, which is probably, as we know, going to be a rebuilt team bar that defense. Um, Because it's certainly coming to a time where they're not going to pay Henry again. D-Hop and his deal and their offense in general is going to need a bit of a revamp. But, you know, maybe they've seen enough now with Levis and the rookie contract situation that with Tannehill and a few other guys moving on, uh, that maybe they don't dip back into the draft. Maybe they stick with him and Malik Willis and maybe add a veteran. But this was uh, more a blow and an indictment on the side of the things for the Dolphins. But that pretty much closed out. Week 14, but leading straight into the early game and what we spoke about before, 63-21 in week 15 was the Chargers over Vegas, which led to that firing of Staley that we talked about. The record first half, 42-0. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. You know, five turnovers, four fumbles, a pick. And I know a lot of people still a bit 50-50 on O'Connell, but I think maybe there they found themselves a really good backup. I don't think that's the future. The Garoppolo contract in that situation is still obviously not ideal, but um, the craziest thing, and I don't know how true it is, is the talk around Davis, the owner, potentially linking back up with Gruden with everything that happened with the NFL. I don't even know if that's possible and if he would go that way, but he's obviously shown, despite people talking about them and their spending, he's not afraid to spend because if he was afraid to spend, he wouldn't be firing all these guys and paying all these contracts out. But for them situation, building things from the ground up. If you really want to get back to scouting, controlling, drafting, and doing the right things, I think this is a situation where you go to Jim Harbour, try to get him from Michigan, and you pay big money to take complete control of this, and you show some patience rather than restarting every 12 to 18 months and bringing in unstable people. Because if there's one thing he's offered, despite the fact some people say he's difficult to work with, He's been successful everywhere he's been, in particular at Michigan. And if they want a fresh start, I think they bite the bullet here and they go with him. I don't think this is one of those ones where, say, Belichick, even if he gets on the market, goes there or has the time to do what needs to be done. But I I think of all the teams, if they're going to look for somebody to take control, take over, help with personnel, build from within the draft and make some smart decisions and toughen this team up, I think it's hardball. With a guy like Max Crosby, couple of good defensive players, but yeah, there's a hell of a lot of decisions to be made here. A little bit of quarterback jail, contract-wise, Jacobs was tagged, still not locked in. Devontae's deal and a rebuild, doesn't want to be there. Uh, this is not an easy situation, but if they go with Pierce, you know, it's probably contract-wise cheap and good, but how long does that last? You know, like he brought a bit of the rah-rah and a bit of my momentum and he's a guy from Compton and he grew up watching the Raiders, etc. this, that and the other. But in terms of drafting, delegating to other coaches, like running a whole organisation, there needs to be a lot more support and infrastructure put in around him if that's going to be the way forward. But for Staley, the end, couple of years, couple of poor finishes, underutilisation of talent, spent an absolute stack on the defensive side of the ball and for a defensive guru was flat-out shit. So probably another one of these situations where if you're just going to take guys off coaching trees, it's not always going to work. Um, LaFleur over at Green Bay, it's obviously been successful, but now people have got questions post Rogers about his coaching. This year hasn't been bad, but so far, you know, it's been 50-50. Obviously, a couple of the other guys have gone out and they've hit, and then you've got guys off other coaching trees 
doing well, like your Sirianis and all that. There's a lot of talk about in the past, you know, the Belichick guys, which is a completely different kettle of fish, but it's not a guarantee always that people off coaching trees are the answers. And Staley was one of these guys off that coaching tree, only coached for a couple of years and uh, clearly exposed in this situation. But yeah, with the amount of money to have a guy like Herbert, the rookie contract, some of the decisions in game, the analytics stuff was just criminal, um, what they've done the last few years. So he finds himself out. And this is another one where, again, where bar the infrastructure, I think this is one where Belichick could come in with a Herbert and the defensive side of the ball and take control of that and reshape it and work with him and teach him defense like he did with Brady in the early years for a short-term sort of stay and get this on track. And then they employ someone in personnel and on the offensive side, if whether that remains Kellen Moore, or again, this is a hardball where they've been smart and a bit tighter with their money or decision-wise and personnel, but right here, right now, I think that's one of the two routes. There's a lot of talk about Ben Johnson, the offensive guy. I'm sure that might fix that side of the ball, but doesn't address your defense, doesn't you know fix the side of things in terms of drafting, building a team. Um, and if you're going to spend the sort of money that's been talked about in office for him, I think you'd rather go get like a, a team builder, someone to build a club like a Harbour or get Belichick in for a few years and put some pieces around him. But yeah, Chargers finally made that tough decision at the start of week 15. And on the back of them in that game, Bengals, Vikings, Browning again. Shouldn't have cut me game, yelling at the TV. This was crazy because for all money, it looked like they were down. Mullen started properly here. Dobbs, like you said, lost that opportunity. They found a good runner in Chandler with Madison's injury. Addison comes up with some big points. They have 21 points put on them, though, in the fourth quarter. Just blown, absolute blown game. T. Higgins, huge part in that. McPherson's field goal, but the reach back. Um, touchdown was crazy. The Vikings fumble. Yeah, it's, this was another one of those ones, a bit like the Dolphins game the week before, where you sit there and scratch your head and go, well, wild card was open. Wild card's obviously been reopened, but, you know, throwing more spanners in the works and more teams in that log jam on the NFC with the Vikings unable to take control. But the AFC North teams, particularly the Browns and the Bengals, despite quarterback problems, just keep marching on. And they've put themselves in the mix in the AFC here, the Browns. And again, that pedigree of Browning showing up, being highly recruited for college and high school and 20-plus moves or transactions, obviously not the greatest warrior in the NFL, but good situation, like you said, stability. Quarterback, people that are putting confidence in him and big result. Colts bounced back after a disappointing loss and the Pittsburgh train kept on sliding. 30-13, to 13. again, no quarterback, no surprise. They go to 7-7. Seven and seven. That window is truly, truly missed, but again... How do they address it? Where they are mid-pack? Can they find somebody? I don't know. But two-headed monster at running back. Fix the offensive line a little bit. They've got good receivers. There's question around Pickens' character. Good defensively. But fix your offensive line up and get a decent quarterback in there. Who knows where this team could be? Because the fact that they keep going 50-50 or maintaining a winning record despite the quarterbacks they've had the last few years just blows my mind. But Colts... Minshew, great bounce back year. Uh, really good by them. You know, finding guys like Moss and dudes like Downs who they've drafted. Moving on from a guy like Shaq. Leonard who they had a big deal. EJ Speed, Zoya Franklin. Like they've, they've really overachieved in my opinion and they're in a really good situation moving forward. Offensive line solid. If they can keep Moss on a reasonable deal 
And even Trey Sermon, who was an Ohio State player, I think he went to the 49ers, didn't get much time. His carries in the last week, they, they've put themselves right in a situation where a good stable of running backs, good backup quarterback, good guy in Richardson, if they can just work on his pass game a little bit and keep him upright, if they can get one or two more pieces for their defense. Because um, that side of the ball, in my opinion, especially at linebacker and probably up front has overachieved, fixed the secondary a little bit. They've got a team. Um, and, and Minshew, I think, has proven again that he's got the ability to be a starter. Would somebody go out and take him as a starter? I don't know for the long term, but for a transitional year, or if he's happy to be the backup here, and for them with the way AJ plays, I certainly would want to keep him because I think he's going to play. I think uh, there's some real good building blocks here and a great job by the coach. Lions, Broncos, this was interesting. Just absolutely diced them. It was 21 zip at one point. Second half was obviously 21 17, and they got back into it. But the Peyton anger at Russell Wilson, I think, sums up about everything since he took this job. But he knew this, taking the job, what the situation was with his contract, whether it's got to do with he doesn't agree with what they've done, or he's just, you know, never going to be satisfied because of the standard that he had with Drew Brees. Was it the audibles and the fact he went a little bit off script from some of the things he's wanted to do and basically showing all year that he'd prefer to rely on the defense and the run game and keep things simple for Russell? I don't know, but I think that blow up shows who's in control. We know he's in control because of the money he got paid, but it'd be very interesting given the amount of capital they've had to give away and the situation where they can't move this deal, I think, until 2026, which will still cost them almost $32 million in dead cap in the next two years if they did like 40 and $38 million. Man, um, yeah, trading and how this works, I, I really don't know. Can they get him to restructure? I, you doubt he would, but you feel with Peyton and that frustration that's coming out moving forward, he might make a move. I don't know what it is, but this is going to be a very interesting year for the Denver Broncos when it concludes. Because to get the 7-7, seven and seven, to be any chance of a wild card or in the hunt, given the way they started, and in particular the 70-point loss, is amazing. But, yeah. He's cut some big contracts. Wilson, he doesn't seem happy with. I don't know how that works with ownership and him, but they paid him big money too. It's just more the way you transport him out because money-wise, dead cap-wise, it's huge. Unless they ride off the year, Stidham, who they picked up as the backup, I know he hasn't played. Does he take that path for 12 months? Does he think he's got a veteran out there he can make a move for and trade? You know, He's found some positives on his defense after cutting the fat. Javonta Williams has looked a little bit better off the back of a major injury. Get some touches. Receiving room's not terrible. Um, but yeah, for the Lions, good response after an up and down couple of weeks and with another Green Bay loss well and truly in control of the North. But yeah, gashed him on the ground almost 200 yards for a moment. 18 runs, 185. It was almost 10 yards per clip. But yeah, for them, pretty much showed the blueprint. And Gibbs and Montgomery are running the ball they're holding on to possession. They're running the clock. And Goff um, doesn't have to be the one dropping back and trying to make plays. It works out great and in this game. That run game established everything. And then off the back of that, the plays that he did play um, off play action and from the pocket, hooked up with the Porter, who, again, great move by them. Cashed in on Hockinson, didn't pay the contract, traded out for somebody who they clearly thought was as talented on a rookie contract. That's turned out to be a fantastic move and probably offset some of the complaints from people about using a high draft pick on a player like uh, Jimmy Gibbs at running back. And then Jamison Williams, a slow emergence again, need a bit more. But with him, 
Amon Ra, St. Brown, Laporta, like that's almost three that you can rely on there. If they could pick up one more highlight receiver or a genuine number one who's not just more a possession receiver, like an Amon Ra and have Jamison as the man to take it off the top than Laporta, this offense, again, next year could be absolutely anything. But defensively is where the real issues have been the last few weeks and Goff's turnovers moving into the playoffs, that's the biggest question. Um, that number one seed, like we said, with a few of these poor results, the Bears game and a few others, has really hurt them. Um, truly, they could have been the one seed, which would have been crazy with the way the year's gone, but they're definitely in control of the North. But in terms of their running now, we'll have to see. Saints, Giants, very uneventful, 24-6. to six. Defense for the Saints, as it has done all year, turns up. They made the run game absolutely irrelevant. It wasn't an option. Tommy DeVito had to use his arm, struggled in the early parts of the game, made some plays late, but they just controlled him. They were two from 16 on third down. He got sacked seven times. Um, it was just completely and utterly easy for Carr, field position territory and turnover wise for what his defense did. He only threw for 200, but he was 80% completion, three touchdowns without a larvae, but the short field helps when your defense is so dominant. So that win keeps the division open for them and for the Giants, like we said last week, on the back of that win, I wondered record-wise, this loss here, the DeVito thing, yeah, it's a great story. You've probably found a good backup or somebody there who's a good character guy for your group. Um, but at five and nine, and with what's left over and where you are, if you want to get up out of this salary cap jail and where they are potentially for a draft pick, I'd stop winning right now. Um, I don't want to keep winning. They sit currently at number six, and with... The Bears' number one pick, you think quarterback. New England, you think quarterback. I think Arizona take uh, the receiver and Marvin Harrison Jr. for Washington. It depends on the ownership, depends on the coach, depends if they want to hire. Howe's last few weeks haven't been the greatest, but he doesn't have the greatest support. Unless they go another quarterback, and that is Jaden Daniels, I think you're in a position there where Chicago, second pick, they might trade out or they might take other players or an offensive lineman or an edge rusher. The Giants sitting currently at six are in a position to take a quarterback because the Jets won't with Rodgers. The Chargers won't. Tennessee still could, who was sitting at nine. But I think you're in a position right now where, in particular with that Washington game, they're, they're the one that might take away one of the options at quarterback that you like. So if I'm the Giants, the decision needs to be made now. I don't want Daniel Jones, but I don't want to start next year with Tommy DeVito. If I can get a Daniels with a guy like Dayball, I think that works. I really do. We'll see how that one works out for them. Browns, Bears. Again, talk about the Bears and that pick not wanting to get any higher. It almost did, but they're currently still at five with their second pick. But the Browns, it's a bit of a struggle here. Had zero run game for Flacco. Pushed on the long pass a few times. Had three turnovers. And the defense has been great. Sweat has been transformative. Their front has been great against the run. Multiple sacks, good pressures. They're secondary. I know they've got to sort out the Johnson situation, but they're pretty good on the back end with him and Brisker, Edmonds in the front line. Like that, that whole unit is in actually pretty good shape. Um, the running backs weren't the greatest for him on the day. Fields, again, converting points, controlling, closing out games probably gave more to what we spoke about that that side of the ball still needs some improvement and you need a decision on the quarterback. But with him, I think it's just more fifth year option and then the money after that that I couldn't do it. I think he still needs to have a start elsewhere despite his improvement. But Flacco turns up big three weeks in a row, 300-plus yards, three games, rallies the troops. They get a couple of touchdowns. Cooper and Joku, big for him. 
um, the, the near Hail Mary to lose it there. And I think Njoku summed it up because it should have been a touchdown and they should have lost about how he felt and he said he was shitting his pants. So, yeah, picks one and five for the Bears as of this moment. Is it Caleb Williams? Is it Drake May? Is it a character thing? I don't know. The way they talk about the generational talent despite that and don't be fooled by this year that USC, he didn't have the greatest line and he was running for his life even though he likes to ad-lib a little bit. If they get that situation right with him and then they pick up an offensive lineman or they swap that second pick into multiple picks or if they like a Neighbors or one of these other receivers that people have spoken about, a Keon Coleman, maybe they find that extra receiver and then they get free agency in the line and try and build that front to keep him upright. I don't know. But a new win again would have put them into an awkward spot. If they went into the six-win category, they'd be 10th pick or higher. Whereas I think right now, sitting at five, you know, I'd, I'd prefer again to be in front of Washington to even force a little bit of pressure on them in New York to maybe have to trade up and bundle more picks like they did last year, like they did with Carolina. But uh, the Browns, nine and six, should be a playoff-seeded team, but because they're all so good with the Ravens in control, they're in the wildcard picture for the AFC where literally no division has been decided just yet, which is absolutely nuts. And three teams, including the Bengals, the Browns, with their quarterback dramas, currently seeded for a wildcard. Carolina against the Falcons, the 3-0 game the week before was bad. This rain game and just the results and the tickets going for $4 here, at Carolina sums up their season, but if there was one positive to come out of it, not for this division in the NFC South, it is that Carolina got their second win of the season finally. Um, horrendous conditions that, yeah, just leaned into the running game. Tuba Hubbard leaned on massively, certainly taken over from Miles Sanders. Then the other side, more questions again about the Falcons and what happens with Arthur Smith. Bijan Robinson only has seven touches to 15 of Algier and others. The weapons they invested in and the weather, obviously hard to move the ball, but Ritter again gets a start, a couple of turnovers. Now he's not starting this week. Interceptions and fumbles for him been awful this year. They've had so many winnable games that they've blown. They're at six and eight. They're still in a hunt for this division, which is nuts to me. But with what you've invested, like we said, on the line and in receivers, it's time to make a decision on coaching quarterback. And right now, pick-wise, again, they're in a spot where 10 at six and eight, You'd like to fall a little bit further backwards, but they're another one that I look at with Daniels, depending on decisions by teams about where they want to go. Or if not, if you're buying into Smith for one more year and if you're blank, I think he's bloody 80-plus years old now and you've got any patience left in you, maybe they're a candidate to take fields on for low money and really, really dive into this run-pass option and play-action sort of game where with Bijan Robinson, Algier, Cordero Patterson, Fields running that and also being essentially a running back himself, those receivers, and just trying to really lean into that game. But if not, if it's not going to be a move like that, uh, again, is this a place where if you're blank 80-plus years old, you make a move on a guy like a harbour, a club builder, a culture changer? Time will tell. A big loss for them. Uh, nothing to be really gained here. For Carolina, unless they can somehow go on a run and ruin the chances for a number one pick for the Bears, that would re rely on the Patriots in Arizona not winning another game, and then obviously head-to-heads and win percentage, etc. strength of schedule. But for now, it still looks like the number one pick that they traded away will be going to the Bears. 
and a fresh start next year again. Similar deal, coach-wise situation, free agency. We won't know what their plan is, but it's time for Tepper uh, to obviously make a decision on where he wants to take this team. Uh, Bear Bucks are the one who continue to surge Baker Mayfield at Green Bay after three in a row, losing a couple in a row, and the wheels really falling off. That defense falls into an even bigger hole. They let Baker Mayfield become the only ever quarterback at Lambeau Field to have a perfect pass rating. 22 of 28, 381 yards, four touchdowns. He was legit perfect. Defense awful again. Coaching on that side with Joe Barry has to be under question. Godwin and Evans, who he leaned on again. Evans, another 1,000-plus yard season. Um, the defense, you know, Devin White, who wants to be traded, basically takes himself out of the game because he's splitting snaps. Pretty much shows the resilience and where this group is going and how they're bought into their quarterback and playing as a unit because even with him pulling out, didn't matter. Winfield, Antoine Winfield Jr., one of the best safeties in the league. It's been outstanding this year. Levante David keeps turning up. Uh, they were going for seven and a half yards per play. They actually got a running game going with Rashad White, which probably says enough. They haven't barely been able to run the ball all year, but just highlights more Green Bay's defense in particular at home and a reflection of where they're at. And it can't be blamed on Love. He had a pretty good day. Still got two TDs, almost 300 yards. But they had zero run game, zero resilience defensively, and that just puts pressure on him to have to keep moving the ball. So, again, a couple of weeks ago, it looked like they were well in control to get a wild card, three wins in a row. But now a couple of disappointing losses. Somehow they're still in the hunt because of the logjam, but huge missed opportunity, questions in the offseason. Roster and coaching-wise, I'm sure LaFleur will be spared and they're going to stick with love, but some questions here about where they go in terms of defense. This is maybe a situation where, much like the Browns, paying for a guy like Jim Schwartz or a Fangio going to the Dolphins where you need to get one of those guys and pay almost head coach money to take control of that side of the ball because at the moment it's just not good enough. But a great win for the Bucks, and now a head-to-head battle on the run in here to win the South and, again, for Mayfield, certainly putting himself in the shop front window or in a situation where he might be able to settle on a deal for a year or two with the Bucks, or even if it's not multiple years, maybe it's a year and they just have to find good middle ground on the money. Um, you're not talking top tier money, but middle of the pack, maybe they give him 20, 25 million just guaranteed. Uh, Devin White, no doubt, I think finds himself traded elsewhere, but the way he's handling things, I don't think it's doing him any favours in terms of uh, opening himself up to more suitors, but we'll see how that one plays out for the Buccaneers. Dolphins, Jets, a week after a blowout, they get absolutely blown out. 30-zip here. Great bounce back off the disappointing loss. They sacked quarterback six times, four turnovers, absolutely no running game, no offensive line, and you look at the Jets and say the same thing over and over again. Even if Rodgers was healthy to play, why would you play? Can't run the ball. Because your line can't hold up. It's a shit line. They've invested poorly in it. And for everything they've traded away, $10 million into Lazard and bringing Cobb and a couple of the guys he likes in there. They need to stop pussyfooting around with the way they're spending their money and fix up that line. Because Bruce Hall is a good player and he's off an injury. And you can have a legit running game with a him or a Carter who they let go of, which really surprised me. And then the investment in Dalvin Cook. Shit contract. Need to get rid of that. Draft. Free agency, fix your line because it doesn't matter what Rogers does. If he can't stand up or you can't get the running game going, nothing's going to change next year. 
And Garrett Wilson's frustrations clearly come out here with him even looking a bit heated with, I wouldn't say Rogers, but heated with the situation in general. Um, defense, playing snaps, getting worse as the year's going on, comes off the back of never been able to maintain drives or control things with your offense. And Sulla, uh, will he get questions? Seems to get a pass mark because of what happens with the defense at times. But, you know, they had Rodgers. They've had dra- made that draft pick, which ended up being a bust for Zach Wilson. They've gone to him. They've gone away from him um, after a long period of time here. You know, I, again... Who do you replace him with in that whole situation? I don't know, but they certainly did a lot to appease the Rogers side of things. And after that injury, I think there's a lot they need to fix if they want him there next year. But Dolphins keep that gap there. No Tyreek Hill, two are safe, 21 of 24. Raheem Most at 20 touchdowns, ridiculous. Chubb, three sacks. Jones, two picks. Good day out for them. Almost wrapped up, minimum a wild card. They're too clear of the Bills. Still got a head-to-head and a bit of a tough run coming, but much-needed win and a good bounce back for McDaniels and his team. Chiefs and Mahomes, frustration again, but a win. Nevertheless, 27-7 in over the Pats. Tough defense, as you expect. They got a couple of takeaways from him, uh, forced some drops, but nevertheless, closed them out. The Patriots, talk about that question, more more noise and rumors like I talked about the week before. In terms of Belichick and him moving on, that they're just not going to do it mid-season. Would they fire him? Would they put him in a position where they can trade him? I think that would be the best way to do things because I think you could get something for Bill Belichick. Um, but yeah, they're going to have $80 million in cap space and a top three draft pick minimum, it seems, at this point in time. So it's a real, 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 real big situation and decision here for the Kraft family about where they want to go with this team. I, me personally, as a Patriots fan, even the Brady argument, Gives me the shits about he was more important and look what's happened afterwards and he won. Like, yeah, he did go and win. But Belichick also made the playoffs with fucking Mac Jones. Should he be able to draft and, and give the free agency? No, I don't think he should. But the first three Super Bowls, if you pull your head out of your ass and actually go watch, which is no knock on Brady, but they're led by the defense and the coaching side of things. He more managed those games. They weren't relying on him. Yes, he did lead drives that led to field goals. Um, but in terms of his contribution there, compared to the couple of losses, the shit defense against Philly, you know, the lapses that they had in the undefeated season, and then the back end game like the Rams one, where again, people are saying, you know, Brady won those Super Bowls. I think the Rams game was more Belichick in the defense again than Brady. So I don't like the argument about scoreboarding these two one after the other. Like, clearly, Tom Brady's super fucking important in terms of record and Belichick's career, but defensively on that side of the ball, in those games, with him managing things at times, I think Belichick was as big a factor in at least two or three of the Super Bowls as Brady was in the other ones. Brady's biggest Super Bowl performance, by absolute far, is the Falcons one. That's unquestioned. Who led that one? But yeah, the Rams one, a couple of the early ones, I think were more Belichick in the defense. So I don't like that argument. They were both as important as one another, but clearly having an all-time quarterback is a huge factor. So for me, if you can come to some sort of solution here where you get someone in on personnel, someone running the offensive side of things and more taking that away, you get his family out of those other key positions, no more Joe Judges, no more Patricia's, no more of that bullshit, and sort of keep him there to be the head coach, teach that quarterback the defensive side of the ball and what to do with defences like he did with Brady, and then run that side of things and then have the offence rebuilt through free agency with personnel and, and an offensive coordinator. I think that's the way to go. But it seems like that won't be the case, and there's a lot there 
post Brady between Graft and over the 20 plus years. So good win for the Chiefs. Still some frustration. Tony again, an error that led to a lot of frustration from Holmes. But one thing is for certain, the number one receiver for them now is definitely Rashi Rice. He's had nine plus receptions and almost 10 plus targets three weeks in a row. He's taken advantage. He's not really running the deep stuff. It's more short to intermediate, but it's not a bad position to be with him. If there's doubles happening consistently on Kelsey and they're trying to take that side away, um, and you're the number one guy. If he's the number one guy, they get Pacheco back in to bring a bit more balance. And if Edwards, Alera, and McKinnon are as versatile as they showed in this game without him in the passing game, there's some building blocks there that you can take forward, but still some frustration for KC out of this one. Texans-Titans, no CJ Stroud, didn't have a lot of expectation, but huge way to turn up for D'Amico Ryans and his defense, 19-16 win. Devin Singletary's been huge on the ground, 4.7 per carry. Noah Brown made some huge plays. The touchdown equalized things. And, you know, Grenard and the guys on the defensive side of the ball, Malik Collins, you know, Desmond King. D'Amico's done a hell of a job, an absolute hell of a job. And... At the end, when funny enough to think about it, they missed their first extra point, which would have won them the game 17-16. But that, in the end, leads to the tie. And in overtime, Fairbairn gets it done. 54-yarder for the win. And their defense holds up, and that's the end of the story. There's a three-way tie for the AFC South now as a result of that. The Colts bounce back. They bounce back without CJ Stroud, Nico Collins, another week. Where he misses, does he play this week coming? It's hugely important. And all their runs home cross paths or are going to be ridiculously tight about wild cards and controlling that division. But somehow the Texans stay alive here in the Titans. Um, Henry makes comments again afterwards. That, you know, he's probably not going to be there at the end of this year. And it goes back to what I said for the week before. Levis got cleaned up at the end, but showed some toughness. Probably going to be a lot of change, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. But it's a, it's a bit of a turning of the chapter. And flipping the page over for the Titans in Mike Vrabel. 49ers, Arizona, 45-29. Tell you what, man. Like again, the coaching side here between Gannon and Steichen, who both left and gone to Colts and Cardinals, they've done a hell of a job at both of these teams. And Arizona, they're a tough out. They're a real tough out. They're still sitting there with the third pick. They've got a lot of cap space. It looks like they're going to stick with Kyler. But... They run the ball. They have possession control. Their defense turns up, even though the bits they've traded, they've got extra picks. They're creative on the offensive side of things to try and open things up. Um, they could obviously use some receivers. McBride's turned out to be a bit of a fine, but a lot of gadget guys like Rondell Moore and Marquise Brown, like a guy like Marvin Harrison, clearly could be massive for them, but they did not go away. And in the end, I know that offense so explosive, so good. Uh, McCaffrey, 115 on the ground with a touchdown and 72 receiving, two more. Debo, two touchdowns, only for four touches. The guy's ridiculous, and that was about barely using Kittle. And IU can purdy only completes 15 passes, but for four touchdowns. He's got the most yards in the NFL with the least amount of attempts of all the quarterbacks, which is absolutely nuts. But defensively, um, some stuff to clean up because you see some of the tackle in this game and think, all right, your offense is firing, but against better teams or coming up this week, a team like the Ravens, you tackle like that, especially the way they run the ball, and a guy like Lamar, you will lose. So for all the talent they do have on that side of the ball, and I know one or two guys were missing off the D-line, uh, if you've got Bosa, you've got Chase, you've got Javon, you've got Greenlaw, all these blokes, Fred Warner, 
you, you need to tighten things up on that side because no doubt offensively they're absolutely stacked and they're dangerous and they can absolutely pull you apart. But Arizona, kudos to them. Currently in possession of the third and the 17th draft pick. Great spot to be. Good coaching situation. Looks like things are heading in the right direction. Uh, and I'm pretty sure cap space, they've got about $50, $60 million as well. So Paris Johnson on the offensive line, good pick. Uh, Amari, I think it's Takato, that running back seems okay. If Connor might stay for a reasonable contract, go get themselves a genuine generational receiver and Marvin Harrison and put someone else there and build that offensive line a bit more of that cap space. This, this team is another one that could bounce back really, really quickly after what's been a good coaching job and Good decisions made on that side of the ball. And from their division, the Rams, 28-20, 7-7, McVay. We talk about coaching jobs. They're in for the wild card. They're currently leading this week, the first game of week 16, 27-7. So they're going to win there and go 8-7 and and firmly entrench themselves into a wild card. But what a job by him. Kyra Williams, I think per attempt right now, is top three yards per attempt since he's taken over in the backfield. They play the possession game. Stafford off the elbow surgery and a spinal injury as well. 35 years old, the way he's come back to find Nakua late in the draft like they did to put together with Cup and have those two guys. And then as young and unknown as they are on both sides on offense and defense, bar a few names like the Aaron Donalds and to trade away a guy like Ramsey and have to reshape things a little bit. There's probably still a little bit more moving like we've said a few times to happen for them in the offseason, but they've done a hell of a job and McVay's done a hell of a job to answer any doubt about where his head's at and where this team's going. Uh, Washington, it's awful. They couldn't get much worse. The decisions they made to trade away uh, mid-season on the defensive line and take away any sort of sack factor they had there or any threat. The interior is okay. I still think they've got some good offensive weapons, but the line's disgusting. Howell's getting hit. I think he's the most sacked quarterback in the league. I'd have to check the updated numbers, but that was certainly the case for the majority of the weeks watching. Um, the decision, again... Time and time again, we keep saying it. Coaching, it's clearly not going to be Biennemi. If it was going to be Biennemi, they already moved on from Ron Rivera. So I think that answers a question there with people asking that. If he was going to be the coach, there's been multiple chances to fire Ron Rivera. Don't think that's going to happen. But quarterback is the big one. Sitting there currently at the fourth pick, I'd want to stay where I am or if not even get higher. If you, Arizona or Patriots could win a game to drop me into the top three. But if they're going to move on from Howe, uh, they're in a position right now where I think they would be able to get a top three guy, but it's not going to be Williams, and it's not going to be Drake May unless the Patriots or the Bears prefer a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May to rotate those spots. So huge decisions coming up after Josh Harrison, the ownership group, bought the Washington Commanders. They need a new stadium. They need a new coach. They, need a new, they just need a new everything. It's going to be a complete reset come the end of the offseason, but I do... Tip my hat to the way they've handled things in terms of not being in the media, not making a lot of noise. They've let things go. They've let things finish up. They're probably going to be respectful with Ron Rivera in this situation or the coaching staff there and just let the year end before they announce anything. And that'll all just wash away when the playoffs start, when all that news comes out because everyone will be so focused on the playoffs and the coaching cycle side of things that it'll probably just wash over within a day or two's time. But... Yeah, I think how's the real big question right now for them and what they want to do because everything else is going to change. Dotson, McLaurin, Logan Thomas, Robinson, Gibson, there's some good pieces on that side of the ball. But who's your quarterback? If you think you've got one with Howe and you've got a high draft pick, you either trade out of it and you use some cap space as well or 
you pick an offensive lineman or a Harrison if you think or if you think you need to change quarterback, you're in that spot. Bills, Cowboys, this is another one. The Bills well and truly back. Uh, absolutely boss to the Cowboys, who again, the big question mark was they beat up on the bad teams, can they beat up on the good teams? 49ers bashed them. Bills now bashed them. Philly beat them the first time off the back foot. I know they beat Philly the second time. They lost to Arizona at home. And it shows again, road games are a problem against tough teams. And for them, the reality is right now, the number one seed's probably not going to be theirs. They might win their division, but they're going to have to go through a 49ers or a Philly on the road to find their way through all the lines, however it ends up with the seeding. And they don't do well on the road. And the best thing here, I think, with the Bills and the changeover and Brady taking over as the offensive coordinator, Jared Brady, they lean into the run game. Like the fact that Allen, who's having to absolutely carry this thing, and we've said it multiple times, has been the BO spray to get the stink off multiple parts of this team. 20% plus more expected runs. Cook, 200 plus all-purpose yards. Allen only had to throw seven completions and a touchdown. Uh, defense was better. Come up with some good plays. They put everything in Dak's hands. They were behind on the scoreboard. They couldn't run the ball even if they wanted to. He had 34 attempts and a pick. 20 completions, no run. They clouded around CD Lamb, made him throw to other guys. It's 350 yards to 195. It was a complete domination. 28 first downs, five of nine of their thirds, and they had possession for 37 minutes to 23. So Bills getting hot at the right time, which is all that matters. They may not win the division, but they're in the hunt for the wild card. They're still on the outside looking in, but looking at the Finns, tough draw coming up. If they can keep winning, they're in a really good spot here for the wild card or even with that head-to-head game, potentially drag the Dolphins into a head-to-head battle, which they've already beaten the Dolphins once. So they would win the AFC East. But there's some positive signs building for the Bills. Uh, Ravens-Jags, ugly game, pretty well balanced. The Ravens ground game killed them. Lawrence had some good drives, but couldn't finish them. And that one that he fumbled on was just... Pretty much a summary. He's still trying to play through injury, but their defense isn't going as good as it was at the start of the year. Um, you when you're not finishing drives off, that frustration's coming back in. And overall, don't know if the, the Ravens were ever so much threatened. It was a contest probably in the first half, but big blow for them. They've had horror luck with their running backs, even though they've done such a good job. Already know that J.K. Dobbins was out for the year. They had some other injuries there, but Keaton Mitchell, who's been a hell of a find, he was 73 yards off nine carries. He's torn his ACL. So... Between him, Gus, Edwards, Lamar, 250-plus yards, time and control. Kicked a lot of field goals. Likely, again, fell well into that role of Andrews. But heading into the playoffs, it's a bit of a concern passing game-wise. No one really had more than two or three receptions besides Likely. Still leaning the run probably a little bit too much. Um, And, you know, AFC side, if they're top of their division, that's great. And seeding-wise right now, they are the one seed, so they would get the week off and they'd get to play their way through home, which is what I think they need because if they were to get caught up and have to go on the road to play KC or the Browns or any of these sort of teams and go that route, I'd be a bit more worried cold weather-wise about the passing. I know it's still cold in Baltimore, but yeah, for as dominant as they've been all year, only a couple of real blowouts, a couple of close losses, but this is another one where I look at the passing game in particular and that side of the ball and think if that improves, they could be absolutely anything. Um, defense has been pretty solid despite injuries. They're working their way through that, but I'm still 
Still a bit iffy on the Ravens, despite the fact they're the clear one seed at the moment. But time will tell. Big game this week and a great idea of the two one seeds. as 49ers, Ravens. You're not going to get that at a better time. You want to talk about Christmas week? That's a gift. That's an absolute gift. Can't wait for that one. For the Jags, equal at 8-6. and six. Three-way tie in their division. Trevor Lawrence banged up. Again, probably too tough for his own good. But the running game's disappeared. The defense is on the decline. The Jags are starting to look real shaky. They were well in control of this division, um, but now it's wild card division, both sort of up for grabs, and the next few weeks are going to be pretty important. They sit fourth at the moment, but Colts 8-6, and six, Texans 8-6, and six, I'm pretty sure they have a head-to-head with one of those teams. Could come down to the last week when it's all divisional games. But we will see. And this week, 15 finished out with Seahawks-Philly, who like we spoke about three in a row. Losses now, they were sloppy, they were predictable. Everyone's starting to pick up sort of on what they're doing with their offense now. They had Christian McCaffrey on the Manning cast and he was predicting plays before they happened. Uh, the running game, you know, they're leaning more and more into Hurst despite his health and the lines, which is the two big strengths to them. It's getting harder for them as well because they're spending more time on the field. Their defensive line, like we said, has been relied on way too much. Their back end. It's just been picked on in Bradbury in the critical drive of this game where they needed a play the most. One-on-ones with DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith and Jigma just gets completely blown off or played, trying to press and gets run by. And uh, They picked up big yardage, crucial first downs, and then obviously the touchdown for Smith and Jigba, which wins the game. And the one seed's definitely gone. They've both got wild cards in Dallas because of the lopsided records in the NFC, but their their pathway now looks very different if they don't at least win the division and take home field. They could be on the road week one um, in a game where, who knows, like it could be two and seven cows, Rams, then them playing, you know, either at Tampa Bay or up against Detroit. Not to say they can't win those games because I think certainly their best is good enough to beat almost anybody. In the NFC, I, I still think the 49ers are the clear favourite, but to be 10-1 and one and completely in control to the three losses with the cracks they've been showing, it's, it's gone backwards real quick and it needs to get fixed. And they're certainly going to be... They're guaranteed a wild card, like I said, but their pathway and where they head is completely on them now. But defensively, it's gone well off the tracks. The back end and their linebacking core, it's really hurt. It's put too much pressure on their lines. Offense is too predictable. And when you swap your defensive coordinator to get Matt Patricia on the sideline after his track record the last few years. That's not speaking in great confidence terms um, of how they think Desai's going, the guy who took over that job. So, big question marks. But as you said, AFC, as it stands right now, the Ravens, the one seed, 11-3, and three, they're two clear in the north. Dolphins are the two seed, 10-4, and four, two clear in the east. KC are two clear... In the West at nine and five, but the South and the four seed, the Jags eight and six, they're even. Uh, and then your three wild cards at the moment, nine and five in the fifth seed is the Browns, six seed, eight and six is the Bengals, and the seventh seed, that other South team in the Colts, and on the outside looking in Texans equal for the wild card and the division, wouldn't make the playoffs as it stands at eight and six. Bills eight and six, probably looking more a wild card, but the head to head with the Dolphins could be crucial. And then you've got Pittsburgh 7-7, seven seven, Broncos 7-7, seven seven, Las Vegas, absolute slim chance at 6-8. I'd write those three off. I think the Bills, 
and the Texans can both find their way in. Um, but I'm more confident probably that the Bills can find their way in with their run home and more somebody like Browning and the Bengals for the run they've had. I know it's been good, but I'd probably rather swap them out just situation-wise. I think the Bills could be a bigger threat. Um, so that's probably the change I see there. I think the Jags might miss altogether, if I'm being frank. People are saying they've got the best schedule, but if Lawrence isn't healthy and confidence is down, it wouldn't surprise me if Colts and Texans found a way in. But I'd love to see the Texans get right and Collins come back and CJ stay upright and then go straight into the playoffs and win that division. That'd be huge first year. <coughs> Apologies about that. I've managed to go the whole way without coughing. That NFC, as it stands right now, 49ers, 11-3. They've won the West already. They're probably going to be the one seed. Cowboys currently the two seed and equal in the East. They've locked up a wild card or the division. Either them or Philly's going to win. Three seed in the North, which has been one, is the Lions at 10 and four. The South is seven and seven at the Bucks at the four at the moment, but that's even. The five seed, 10 and four, Philly, wild card or division. So they could end up anywhere in that top four from second down or still be the one seed, but it would take a lot, I think. It's a big week this week in terms of them and the Cowboys winning despite head-to-head records with the 49ers to all be even at the one seed and still be the 49ers to lose. Um, the six seed, the North, the Vikings, 7-7, seven and seven, and now the West, the Rams, who are going to be 8-7. and seven. They lead 30-7 for the first game of Week 6 at the moment against the Saints. Uh, Stafford, two touchdowns, 300-plus yards. Kyron Williams, 90 yards off 16 touches and a touchdown. No surprise. Cut, 6-52. Nakua, Eight for 148 in a reception, and Robinson come up big this week. 66 uh, for 82 and a touchdown. And New Orleans, more questions again about Carr. Touchdown, a pick. Alave's had a big day. Nine for 123. Shahid, a knockout play, but zero ground game. Zero ground game. So looking at that, uh, the Rams going eight and seven. They'll probably move into. Six for now and really tighten things up. But Seattle on the outside looking in, seven and seven. Saints, seven and seven, still even for the division. Falcons at six and eight, I'd put a pen through. Green Bay, six and eight, I'd put a pen through. Um, And eliminated on both sides, Jets, Patriots, Chargers, Titans, Carolina, Arizona, and Washington. So Seattle, uh, after a four-game slide, find a crucial win. A lot comes up with that huge play. But I don't know if they can find their way in it. It's certainly more open. They've got the Titans this week, which is a very winnable game. Um, you know, you say you give that one to them. Then they've got the Steelers. It's winnable again. And then last week would be a divisional game against the Cardinals. So they could win out, but they've also been very inconsistent. So, yeah, for the NFC, it's no doubt that you've got the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Lions and Philly. I hope the Bucks can hold on and win the South. And then those last spots, you know, the Rams probably get one locked up. I'd like to see the Vikings probably hold on to that spot and find their way in. I'm not sure they will, just quarterback-wise. Uh, but if they don't, well, then I think it's more open for Seattle to slide their way in. But um, I think the clear standout for me is the 49ers, even though I think the AFC is the tougher side of the draw, but them and the Ravens play this week, so we shall see. And the Bills, good good value there, I think, in terms of the AFC side. If you want a bit of value, 
to make the championship or just as a complete smoky if you're a bit iffy on those other teams like a KC like the Dolphins who haven't been a contender yet and then everyone around them like it's, it's pretty open when you look at the seeds there for the AFC but if you have a quick look at this week's games and the odds like you said right now New Orleans just scored another touchdown it's 30-14 to Juwan Johnson with the score but six minutes left there's still three scores down it's going to be the Rams um, but Christmas Eve Bengals, Pittsburgh, oh, man, flip a coin. I like the Bengals and the way they've been playing. I've got no confidence in the quarterback situation for the Steelers. It's all about Rudolph playing and starting. Uh, I definitely can't get on board with that. Bengals, they're $1.64. So, again, probably not the greatest value. Um, but when you're looking at things, I think that's probably where you've got to be looking. And for them to be in that wild card hunt, I think, you know, you've probably got to go that way. Just on the fact that if that's the way it's going to go, <clears throat> you want to keep winning. It's a divisional game, which obviously means that absolutely nothing is guaranteed. Absolutely nothing. But, yeah, if it's going to come down to the fact of Mason Rudolph playing the stuff that's going on with Pickens and a little bit of attitude around that team. Uh, certainly don't have a hell of a lot of confidence. The only probably upside going for them is it's going to be in Pittsburgh. But since you dollar sixty four, I'll take the minus two and a half. I'd probably take two. Buffalo against the Chargers. Bit of word that you know a lot of teams COVID and the flu like it has been. Australia's been going around. Bit of a Buffalo flu problem this week. But the Chargers, I don't care. Six seventy Eastern Stick starting quarterback. Coach has been fired. Interim situation. I don't think it's going to make a difference there. I think Buffalo will beat them. It's never a home game in LA either. So dollar eleven Buffalo wouldn't touch it, but I think they're the winner. Colts uh, at Falcons. Big game. Got no confidence again. Heineke takes back over. Who's going to be the lead back? Are they going to lead into their running game? Um, is their pass game going to be any better? And can they close things inside the twenties? I don't think so. Great situation. For the Colts and Minshew, $2.11 outsiders on the road. I'll take that. Packers at Carolina, must win. $1.44 favorite, 280 Carolina. Uh, I'll go the Packers, despite their defense being awful. Carolina struggled to score points. Their defense has been a little bit better. They lean into the run game, but <clears throat> Packers are a chance to still stay alive here. They're one back out. Vikings, no guarantee of winning. The wild card could be open um, to fight for, so i go the Packers. Browns at Texans, huge game for both teams. And I think this is the only thing that worries me for the Texans because CJ Stroud back off an injury. No Tank Dell, no guarantee of Nico Collins, a lack of offensive weapons. It'd be big on the defense again in their run game. And it's for that reason um, that I'd have to go the Browns. Their defense can only improve. They've had a few flat weeks, Flacco, and the offense is getting better. I know the run game struggled, but... Um, just situationally right now on that side of the ball and defensively they've got upside. I'd ha- have to lean into them. They're a dollar seventy. The Lions traveling to Minnesota. Man, divisional games are tough. Vikings must win, but if it's Nick Mullen, he obviously moves the ball a little bit better. Still turnover prone. Their defense needs to be a bit better. The Lions have been up and down, but they've already won the division. They've got control. Um, it's probably one for them, I think, just to start forming some consistency, particularly on the defensive side of things. So I'll go the Lions. Commanders at Jets, flip a coin. 
both teams should want to lose to get a better draft pick. If I'm Washington, if there's any way I can tank this one, I would. They're $2.40. Outsiders, the Jets, $1.58 favorite, probably more of what their defense does, but their offense is horrible. Um, but I do anything I can here if I'm Washington to lose. So I think they're better at their best, but I think this is two teams that want to end up with a draft pick. So uh, I'd probably say the Jets because they're at home, but if I'm Washington, it's tanking time. Seattle at Tennessee, must win game. You know they're not going to get it easily. Vrabel doesn't quit. This team doesn't quit, but I will go Seattle. It's a must-win. The divisional game that probably decides everything. I like the Bucks. They're doing very, very well, but both these teams on opposite sides of South's NFC, AFC. The Jags need a win, but they're traveling to Tampa Bay. Lawrence is still under a cloud. Confidence probably isn't the highest. Baker Mayfield off the perfect passer rating game. $1.63 favorite. I like the Buccaneers to win. Control the NFC South and for the Jags, going off what I've said already, they would stay even with the Texans if they've lost, but that would open it up for the Colts with a win over the Falcons to take control of the AFC South. Arizona at the Bears. Again, there's no reason for me if I'm Arizona to want to win this game. Bears at home, way they've been defensively playing, I think they'll win, but I don't agree with the odds. $1.50 to 266. I think there's some value there in Arizona, but I'd want to stay at the third spot in the draft. If I'm the Bears, I don't want to get any higher than the fifth spot. So again, for me, there's no upside to win for these two teams, but someone's going to have to win. I think the Bears are probably the one to do it. If I'm the Cardinals, I'd be trying to shut down Kyler Murray or anyone of any importance to me. That's just my thoughts. Cowboys at Dolphins, probably a, a bit of a picture on both sides again of AFC and NFC here. Two teams that haven't been able to beat a big dog, but have beaten up on everybody else coming up against one another on either side of the draw. It's at Miami. Slight favorites, Dolphins at $1.80. The Cowboys, $2 outsiders. I'd probably actually lean slightly to the Cowboys, but the weather, um, it's generally warmer. I know it's coming into the winter months, but it's still warmer in Miami than things. Some teams struggle going down there. <laughs> Offensively, they're dangerous. Deron Bland's had a big year, but there's also teams that have gone after him. The biggest thing here is just Tyreek Hill play. Them being the favorite, the odds indicates to me that he will be playing. And the way they got gashed last week, it was different conditions, but on the ground, Raheem Mostert, Archane. Yeah, bugger it, I'm flipping my pick. I'm going with Dolphins. The Pats at the Broncos, no reason to win. $3.70 outsider. Broncos, $1.28, still in the mix for a wild card. Um, Do they want to win a wild card? I don't know. Draft-wise, I wouldn't want to, but I think Peyton will want to see more. Uh, I think they'll try to play hard. They'll lean into their running game. Defensively, they're probably going to be a problem for Zappi and New England, so they're a $1.28 favourite for a reason. And that closes out that Christmas Day slate here in Australia. Then Boxing Day, three games to finish off. Two that probably aren't the greatest, but they're both divisional. And then two one-seeds head-to-head, but it kicks off in the morning, 5 a.m. Hopefully not too hungover. It's going to be... The Raiders against Kansas City uh, certainly given some trouble defensively, and they did a few weeks ago, but KC came home over the top of them. I think this is a big day. If Pacheco's back for Mahomes and this team to clean things up, Rashi Rice, 8 or 9, and a touchdown, hopefully take a bit of attention away from Kelsey, see him open things back up, get Pacheco angry running and stop leaning on their defense um, and probably get a few takeaways from O'Connell. 
Giants at Philly, it's bounce back time, and I think in a big way. Um, rivalry game in division at Philly, hostile crowd, Christmas Day in America, obviously, but Boxing Day here. I think it's time to turn things back on. Could be a ground barrage. They've been pretty bad on the ground. Hertz has been good there, but they need to lean into Swift. Need to get AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, just some early passes, move things into space, and their defense needs to turn back up. And there's no better way to find your confidence than against a team that's run heavy and got a guy who doesn't really want to throw the ball. So I'd be going Philly there. They're heavy favorites. And then things wrap up with the absolute best Christmas gift of all you could get, whether you're in America or you're a boxing day here for us. Baltimore, the one seed traveling to Levi Stadium to play the 49ers, the two top seeds from both sides. For me right now, I know I said the tackling side was poor last week from the 49ers, but they got way too much talent. It's way too big of a game. Um, and I don't have enough trust in what they do passing-wise. So for that reason, I just think San Francisco are better on both sides of the ball and they don't lose at home. They're a forty-two favourite. Minus four and a half is the line. Um, yeah, again, for the two top seeds, you wouldn't go that way. But at home, big occasion, big day. Everybody there, Baltimore losing Keith Mitchell might affect their grand game a little bit because he's been real versatile in the run and the pass game. They might need to lean in a bit more to the, the passing game for themselves than the ground. But I like the 49ers here. Again, I, I don't know if I'd go as far to say statement game, but I think they can win by 10 or more. So there you go. That wraps up week 14 and 15 sort of review on what's going on in the NFL and picks heading into the Christmas slate for the NFL in week 16. MVP. Purdy is now the dollar fifty favorite. Unless you think on the way home he can get a bit shaky, um, your value there, I guess the only other guy there would be his teammate Christian McCaffrey. And the narrative is they don't want to give it to Mr. Irrelevant if you're looking anywhere else. Value wise, he is now twelve dollars McCaffrey with the amount of touchdowns and all-purpose yards. If there's a way, Josh Allen has three huge weeks and comes home like a freight train at eight fifty, but I don't see it. Um, the narrative right now, I think your only value otherwise would be McCaffrey. Uh, your Super Bowl favorite, no surprise. $3.10, it is the 49ers now. Baltimore, 6 7 for the Chiefs. $9.50, Dolphins. Philly, $9.50. Dallas, $10. Like, there's a huge gap there. I think at Buffalo at 12 it sort of cuts off for me. I don't think anyone beyond that um, is a contender. NFC Championship, surprise, surprise. They couldn't get any shorter. Coming in before the action kicked off. San Francisco, under the $2 mark. The AFC Championship at the moment, 375 the Chiefs. You're probably not going to get much better value. There's good reason for that. $3.10, the favorite is Baltimore. Dolphins, 450 Bills are probably your one moment you're looking at with what you're seeing at 750 With the wins they've had going, that's a chance. But the real smoky for me... If their defense picks it back up and with what Flacco is doing, is $23 for a $5 or a $10 pop if you're feeling a bit frisky, is the Cleveland Browns. That's just one to hang out there. Um, other than that, the other player awards markets are down because this week's already kicked off. I think the only other thing there would have been the offensive player of the year. If it's not McCaffrey... For the MVP, he's probably well and truly a favourite there. But week to week, with injuries, health, and the ever-changing narrative, those markets and things keep moving. But your Bills and your Allens are probably your 
your value picks are the way things are going right now. Or McCaffrey at the MVP at 12s. But it's just crazy to think how much this has changed. Nothing is tied up in the AFC yet. Nothing is locked in. I mean, yet your only guarantee is that Baltimore, unless they lost all three, and Bengals one or three, Browns one or three in game one, could miss out on a wild card. That you'd more than confidently say that KC, the Dolphins, and the Ravens are all locked in. The South well and truly open. The wild cards are all open. Like that's it's complete insanity. Bills, Texans sitting there right behind. NFC, you've got three teams locked in. Even if two of them are the wild card, then they're going to win their division. Either way, they're in. Yeah. It looks like, you know, the Lions are locked in, the 49ers are locked in. It's a lot more steady on that side of things and probably less threat coming from those wild cards. But, you know, the Rams are probably the one right now that you're looking at as a bit of nuisance value. And if you're the Cowboys and you land at two and you do end up winning that division and the seven seed is the Rams, that's not going to be an easy first week. So before I wrap things up, live on that Rams game as we speak, they still control things 30 to 14 uh, with about four minutes left. The ball is with the Saints, but again, three scores in four and a half minutes, highly unlikely. Carr, 284, two touchdowns and a pick. The running game, they've had 16 attempts. They've barely made 30 yards. Kamara's nine for 19. Alave's been the most effective and had a knockout play to Shahid, but no surprise, Rams. They control it on the ground with Kyron Williams. Plays by Nakua. Robinson Cup, Nakua's 9 for 164 and a touchdown, and Kyron Williams 19 for 94 and a touchdown as they go 8 and 7 and put one hand on a wild card. But man, you couldn't have asked for a better year uh, in the NFL. I think it's truly open on both sides. The only real standout still is the 49ers, but health situation and the way things have worked out in the last few years, the pressure's all on them. They've had good teams, they've had opportunities, they're falling short. They're never going to get a better chance than right now with a quarterback who's on a less than a million dollars loaded the way they are offensively and defensively. And the fact they could just trade mid-year for a guy like Chase Young for a third round to push things even further. Um, Health and their own play are the only two things that are going to stop them, in my opinion, from being the Super Bowl champions this year. But time will tell. Week 16 action. Enjoy. All the best to you, your family, and your friends. Stay safe in this holiday season. A Merry Christmas, and we'll be back to wrap up the Christmas slate heading into the new year when the playoffs are just around the corner.